There we are. All right, we're trying to wire this. We'll see if we'll pop or whatever. It's been doing the last two Sundays, so let's see. Hey, today is a great Sunday. Today I get to teach on Daniel and the lion's den. This is one of my favorite stories. Growing up, I had a record player, and a lot of you don't know what a record player is. A record player was a thing that spun this disc. It wasn't like a CD, but it was real big, and it had great covers. The cover of this thing had a lion, just really fierce, and Daniel sitting on a rock, just kind of like minding his own business. But I don't know if you know it, but lions are pretty powerful creatures, right? They can crush bones, they can attack, they're swift. And I went to see Lion King several times, it comes out the same every time, but... uh, Lions are, you know, made to uh, be king of the jungle, okay, because of their mighty roar. I was going to do all that. I was going to show you a video of just a lion devouring a carcass and just a roar and all that, but I don't want to scare you all too much. And plus, I know lunch is next, so, you know, that's the way it goes. But I, I am a big fan of the circus. I don't know if you all know it, but Martin and Bailey Circus did come to town in Carbondale, and a long time ago, and I got to go line up. My dad was pretty big in the circus, and he loved to get us kids tickets. And I never forget taking a whole bunch of kids over in the vehicle, and we got to watch the parade. But the big draw wasn't the big elephants. The big draw was all these lions that come by in these cages. And man, you got a little bit closer to those cages, but you didn't get too close because you knew that thing was a lion and a tiger, and you didn't want to aggravate them things, okay? But today, we got a lion of a story today. It's found in Daniel 6, and I'm going to start off reading it because it's God's Word, and he says it won't go out void, but this is the great story of Daniel and the lion's den. This is what I grew up listening to as a kid. This is something that just got my imagination going, but uh, if you could turn to Daniel 6 this morning, I'm going to read it. It seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 surtraps over his kingdom, that they would be in charge of the whole kingdom, and over them three commissioners, of whom Daniel was one. That these surtraps might be accountable to them, and to the king might not suffer loss. Then Daniel became uh, distinguished himself among the commissioners, and the sir traps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit and the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom all right then the commissioners and sir traps began trying to find grounds for accusation against daniel to regard to regard to the government affairs but they could find no grounds of accusation or evidence of corruption in such as he was faithful and not negligent in corruption was to be found in him. Then these men said, We will not find any grounds of accusation against Daniel unless we find it against him with regards to the law of God, of his God. Then these commissioners and surtraps came in agreement to the king and spoke to him as following. Dear Darius, live forever. All your commissioners of the kingdom, the perfects and the satraps and the high officials 
and the governors have consulted together that the king should uh, establish a statute and enforce an injunction that everyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, uh, for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it may be not changed according to the laws of the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed up the document uh, that this is the injunction. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house in his roof chamber as he had uh, the windows open towards Jerusalem and it contained kneeling on his knees three times a day and giving thanks before his God and he had been doing previously. Then these men came in agreement and found Daniel making petitions and supplication before his God. Then they appointed and spoke before the king about the king's injunction. Did you not sign this injunction of any man makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days that they should be cast into the lion's den? The king replied, the statement is true, according to the laws of the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. Then they answered and spoke before the king. Daniel, who is one of those exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to your injunction, which you have signed, but keeps making his petition three times a day. Then, as soon as the king heard this statement, he was deeply distressed and set his mind on delivering Daniel. Even until the sunset, he kept examining himself to rescue him. Then these men came in agreement to the king and said to the king, O recognize, O recognize, O king, that this is the law of the Medes and Persians, that this injunction and statement which the king established may not be changed. Here it is, guys, verse 16. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought before them, cast into the lion's den. The king spoke to him and said, Daniel, your God, whom you constantly serve, will help, will himself deliver you. A stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles, that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. Then the king went off to his palace, spent the night fasting, and no entertainment was brought, and the sleep fled him from, from him. Then the king arose at dawn and daybreak and went to haste to the lion's den, where he had come near the den to Daniel. He cried out with a troublesome voice. The king spoke and said, Daniel, servant of the living God, your God, whom you constantly serve, has been able to deliver you from the lions. Then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions, and they have not harmed me, inasmuch 
as I am found innocent before him, and also towards you, O king, I have committed no crime. Then the king was very pleased and gave orders to Daniel to be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den, and no injuries whatsoever were found on him because he had trusted in God. The king then gave orders to him, had brought, had brought those men who brought the charges and accused Daniel. They came, they came with their family and their children and their wives, and they were thrown into the den. And they had not much reached the bottom of the den before they overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Man, great story. Why did I take time to read that? Because all of us have heard that story since being very small, hopefully, if you grew up in the church. Even if you haven't grown up in the church, there's evidence that people know who Daniel and the lion's den is a story in the Bible, okay? It's more than a story, folks. Daniel is put there for a reason. He's put there for that last line, that you trust God. Guys, in this day and age, we're a lot like Daniel and the lion's den. We've got all kinds of guys out there, politicians, everybody wants to do a smear campaign, right? I'm going to bring down that Christian at work. I'm going to do whatever I can to make him look bad, okay? They do that, okay? That is happening. There is bad out there, okay? We're not all perfect, okay? It's a good way of putting it, okay? We do make mistakes. But just because we make mistakes, God still says to trust Him. Trust God. You might notice that I brought out an unusual object here on the stage this morning. This is the finest wheelbarrow I could find on short notice. Okay? It's been used a lot, but it's a very efficient wheelbarrow. There's a story of a circus performer, Blonin, I think was his name. And Bolana was a very good tightrope walker. He used to walk tightropes across Niagara, across the big tents. But his big fame was Niagara Falls. He stretched one all the way across Niagara Falls. And he, it said, I didn't see this, but it said when I did my research, that this guy walked across, walked back. This guy did some tricks out on the line. This guy even skipped on the tightrope. And you can imagine the crowds that gathered to see this guy walk this tightrope. It was huge crowds. And they all cheered him on every time he did a different trick. And they were just getting into the performance. And then he goes, hey, y'all believe I can push a wheelbarrow across that uh, tightrope to the other side? What do you think the crowd said? I don't think you understand. Can I push this wheelbarrow all the way over to the other side of Niagara Falls? Can you guys believe he can do that? Come on, give me a Sunday morning cheer. All right. It was a lot more louder than that, okay? They were standing up. They were enthusiastic about it. They were getting with it. They're going, sure you can, because you just skipped. You did all these tricks out there. You can do it. You're awesome. 
So they all believed with all heart that he could do that. So he gets the wheelbarrow up there and gets about ready to start off with the wheelbarrow. He goes, hey, since y'all believe I can push this wheelbarrow across this tightrope all the way to the other side, who wants to get in? Yeah, that's about the enthusiasm that he got there, okay? There was not a one person that would say, yeah, I'm going to ride in that wheelbarrow over to the other side. I believe and trust him, okay? That's what God's asking you to do today. He's saying, I got a plan for your life. I got a plan for you. No matter where you're at in life, I got a plan for you. But the one stipulation is, you got to trust me. Do you believe that today? I believe that. I believe God's got a plan. You might say, Brent, I'm 80 to 90 years old. I'm glad you say that. A lot of times when people get that old, they go, I'm in retirement. Hey, God doesn't give us retirement. Our whole life's all about spreading good news of Jesus Christ. Okay? Daniel was 80 to 90 years old when he faced this lion's den. Okay? Was his life over? No way was it over. He was still trusting God with his life. And guys, we all have a purpose. We all have that in us to trust God with our lives. Because he does have an exact purpose for each one of us. And that's to glorify him in whatever we do. So... Man, as I read this literature, just read it to you, this story, what stands out to me? Daniel's been through three kings. He's outlasted three kingdoms. He's on his third, Darius. He's done some great stuff. We read uh, Daniel 1. He made the decision in Daniel verse 8 to not be defiled as a young boy, to keep his way pure. Wow, that commitment carries all the way through to Daniel 6. He's been doing that all the time. All these kings have been asking him to interpret dreams, to do all this stuff. He's been able to do it because his God was big. He trusted God to give him the answers. He trusted God to make use of his life. So you see it in this thing as Darius is setting up his kingdom. He gets 120 sirtraps. They're kind of like overseers of the kingdom. But upon those, he puts three over the 120. And Daniel is one of the three over the 120. But Darius is observing and finds out Daniel has got a gift, man. He's got a gift that he can organize. He can get it done. He can trust Daniel. He can do whatever. And he's thinking about putting Daniel in charge of the whole kingdom underneath him wow but you don't realize it there's a lot of jealous people out there there are a lot of jealous people that said man that's just not right that guy's not even one of us he's an exile from judah all right so we can't have that let's uh get this guy in trouble let's get rid of him Kind of like a smear campaign, okay? So they all meet together and they all think of the best thing they can do to get rid of Daniel. And they were thinking, wow, is he corrupt? Let's find a little corruption in Daniel. 
And the Bible says they could find nothing. Isn't that pretty cool? You can imagine all these guys trying super hard to find some corruption on Daniel, and they can't find anything. What's that say about Daniel? Man, he's a pretty trustworthy guy. He's a pretty outstanding guy, all right? He really follows the Lord's rules, all right? He really does it. He's living it out in front of them. They can't find anything. And then one guy gets an idea. He goes, oh, I know one thing we could get him on. It's going to have to go against our principles. I don't think they had any principles. All right? They said, hey, we'll have to get it on his law he follows with his God. And that's the way we can entrap him. So... I don't know if you know it, but in the story, they go, oh, king, live forever. That's just the way you talk to a king, okay? You couldn't come into the king's presence unless you were invited. The king was in charge, large and in charge. But they stroked his ego a couple of times. We all like to have that ego stroked, right? Yeah. I like to even hear it, you know, every now and then, hey, you did a good job on that lesson. Hey, you did a good job sometime, you know? That, that does me good. You know, I need that little encouragement. But when we're living for it, when we lose sight of what we're all about, that's bad, okay? So, he's going, well, here's the way you need to do this, king. We've all met, and we know you're a great guy. We know that you've got your principles. We know that you can supply everybody's needs. So let's just have everybody for the next 30 days pray to you that sounds awesome because you're just such a great king all right you can do it all so they go everybody's in agreement we're all in agreement hey there's the first lie right there okay was daniel in agreement i don't think so but they brought it before the king and says we're all you know that kind of brings me to another point in genesis when the serpent was tempting uh, eve there in the garden he says surely not surely not he didn't say you can't eat of this tree right right you see how that works the devil comes in a little small things okay kind of steers us the wrong way but then he says well that sounds good to me just bring that up here and we'll sign that here's the deal he signed it in the law of the Medes persians and I don't know if you know it, but that gold statue, he interpreted a dream. Nebuchadnezzar was the head, okay? Anytime Nebuchadnezzar made the decision, it was all about him, okay? But now we're getting down to that silver part of the statue, okay? And they had some officials overseeing everything. And they said, well, to make things stick, we need to be about the law of the Medes and Persians. So if you sign this, it cannot be changed. You can't change your mind. Wow. How many of y'all ever made a bad decision and wish you didn't? Okay. He's getting his ego stroked by these guys, and he's going, wow, I'm going to sign that thing. That just sounds good to me. Now, I don't see how anybody's going to be harmed because everybody's needs are going to be met. I got enough sources. I can meet everybody's need in the kingdom. Let's just do it. Signs it. And then what's the guys do? You see in the Bible, in verse uh, 10, Daniel, knowing that the document had been signed, went to his home and cried. 
Do you see that? Nobody should see that because that ain't in the Bible. Okay? No. He went home to his rooftop. Rooftop, guys. He's up above everybody. With his windows open, he bows down and prays toward Jerusalem. The reason he prayed toward Jerusalem was when Solomon uh, commended the temple there, he said, Lord, may you hear all the prayers of your people that pray to you from this temple. So he was in a foreign country, but yet he had his window open to Jerusalem so the Lord would hear his prayers. And he did that how many times a day? Three times a day. He is dedicated. He knew God on an intimate, personal level. How's your prayer life? I'm here to tell you, we need to have one. We need to have one that's more than just, thank you, Lord, for this food. Amen. We need to have a prayer life. Wednesday night, guys, I'm going to stop here just for a minute. Wednesday night, it's sad. You know how many people got at Wednesday night prayer meeting? About 12. About 12. Why is that? We get too busy, right? Hey, Brent, I can pray in the car just as easy as I can pray at church. I can do it. I can do it when I'm out here riding my lawnmower in God's beautiful country. I can pray to him. What does God say? Forsake not your assembling together. Daniel went to a specific place and prayed. These men knew exactly where Daniel was going. They knew exactly what he was doing. Okay? Did Daniel deny it? Oh, I'm just tired. I'm just down here on my knees. I'm just, uh, you know, just about ready to pass out and just washing the floor. Do we make compromises? Yeah. Sad to say, I'm with you. I make compromises. But guys, that shouldn't be. That shouldn't be. We need to be a people that are going to stand up. We need to be a people that rise above the temptation. Be stand-up people. You know, times are changing. Times are changing. How can you tell? Man, there's a lot of things I find out here in the news media I just can't believe even happened. Times are changing. Why is that? Because he's getting ready to come back. Amen? Daniel, in the last part of the six books, gives instructions on what's going to happen at time of tribulation. But these front stories here are giving me encouragement to go through the times of tribulation. I don't know if we're in tribulation right now. I don't think so, but things aren't the way they need to be. All right? I've been around college just a little bit, and I'm sure Kenzie wouldn't mind me saying this. But college, guys, when you send your kids to school, watch it. Because you're not there to see them. And these kids only mind you because you're there. Wow, you got a rude awakening. Because you ain't going to college with them 24-7. They get to make their own decisions. They get to do their own thing. I've been there. 
My biggest pet peeve at my house growing up was, if you ain't sick, you're going to church. Man, that was a tough one to deal with, especially when I got old enough to drive. If I ain't sick, I'm going to Sunday school. If I ain't sick, I'm going to church. Man, you know how many times I was sick? But if I stayed home, get this. I didn't get to do anything the rest of the day except lay in the bed. They had that one figured out. You know, that ain't all bad. But your kids have got free will. You have got a free will. Hey, you need to go see that God's rules aren't just to cramp your lifestyle. God's rules are to show you what life's all about. Amen? We forget whose we are. And we think we are it in a bag of chips. But I'm nothing without my Savior, Jesus Christ. My life is nothing without Jesus Christ. And I need to do everything to glorify and honor Him. Okay? Because life works out so much better when I trust him to drive me on the narrow path. The tightrope of life. Because there's all kinds of things I can get messed up with if I don't stay in his trust level. compromise things are changing daniel's world was turned upside down in chapter one he was an exile mom and dad weren't there no more he made a decision hey i'm going to trust god i'm going to remain pure i'm not going to defile myself with this uh high living on the king's food i am going to put my foot down on stuff i can put my foot down i am going to follow his rules where did that start at his parents, guys, were Jewish. They had to read the rules. They had the rules read out. The rules help us to stay on the narrow path. Okay? They also help us to see our need for Jesus. Amen? We're all sinners saved by grace. We all have to trust God, Jesus, to get there okay here's the deal the world in first john chapter 2 15 and 16 you'll turn in your bibles first john 2 first john 2 15 and 16 it says do not love the world nor the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and also its lust. But the one who does the will of my Father lives forever. Wow. That's found in 1 John, right out of God's word. That isn't Brent's word. 
That's God's word. Wow. That, that speaks volumes right there, doesn't it? How many times do I get caught up in what the world thinks? I get caught up in the world's way of doing things. Yeah, right, uh-huh. How many times do I know what right and wrong is? Hey, I've been raised in church. I know a lot, okay? I know what right and wrong is. Is it wrong to tell a lie? Hey, God's word says it is. Hey, but that's just for you. It's not for me. It's just for you because you believe God's word. Is that right? The world wants us to be tolerant. Tolerant of a different lifestyle. Tolerant of a different set of rules. Amen? Did God call us to be tolerant? Or did God call you to be set apart? Am I stomping on toes? Am I getting you there? Or am I letting you see what Daniel's dealing with here? Yeah. It's hard to follow God. It's hard to do the right thing. Hey, but God gives you the power to do it. If you'll just listen to that still small voice inside, it'll tell you every time the decision you need to make. Amen? That's the Holy Spirit that lives inside of new believers. He can convict. He can do the work. It says in his word that he will do it. But we have to listen. We have to put our trust into that. Daniel put his trust into that. Went to his place three times a day, prayed. The king knew that Daniel was in trouble. He says, I'm going to do everything in my power to get you out of this predicament. The king's power. Was he very powerful? Could he answer all the petitions everybody had? No. The one he wanted to save was Daniel. Could he do it? No. Because he signed it, the law of the Medes Persians. And those guys are going to hold his feet to the fire. Daniel, it's time. It's sundown. You're going into the pit. You might say, why in the world do these people have lions sitting in a pit for? Well, I did a little research. Instead of hangman's nooses, to get rid of people, instead of life sentences, king didn't like it, we were going into the pit. Took care of you, it's done. No more heard of you. Okay, that's how they did with their problem people. Would that give you a instinct to follow and do the right thing? That'd give me enough, all right? Those lines are pretty mean. But Daniel was lowered into the lion's den. He said, King said, hey, if your God can save you, I believe he can. I'm going to fast. I believe he can, Daniel. So he lowered Daniel down, put the stone over the tomb or over the opening there, sealed it with his ring. His nobleman sealed it too. And he went back to his palace. There was no entertainment that night. There was no nothing on TV. No PlayStation was going on that night. Nothing was happening that night except him and sleep fleeing from him till sunrise the next morning. Wow. Does that sound familiar? Do you understand, guys, 
We live in the lion's den of life. We are down there every day. It says in 1 Peter 5, 16, I think it is, the devil's like a roaring lion walking to and fro, seeking who he can devour. Wow. You realize you live in that kind of world? Yeah, the devil's free to do whatever he wants to do. But you're living in the lion's den of life today. Where's your trust? I get it, and the next morning, it's cool. This dude being the king, Darius, I can only imagine he had several servants in his house he could have called for and said, Hey, would you go down and check on Daniel in the lion's den for me and bring word back to me so I could celebrate or whatever? Did he do that? No. You know, he had a personal stake in Daniel. Daniel was going to be next in line in his kingdom, man. This guy trusted Daniel a lot. This guy saw great potential in Daniel. The king got off his derriere and went down there to the den and kind of sheepishly was asking, Hey, Daniel, you all right down there? Did you make it through the night? But you know what? I don't know if Darius really wanted to hear Daniel's voice, but he did. He heard Daniel's voice and say, King, live forever. Hey, these lions haven't ate me. They haven't even harmed me. And Darius says, take that rock off there and let's lift the boy up. And they examined him. And there's nothing, folks, wrong with him. No scars. He couldn't go around and say, this is where I got in the lion's den. This is where that lion almost ate me. Okay, he didn't even have the scars to brag about, okay? All he had to brag about was God being there to shut the lion's mouth. Amen? A lot of times we're looking for the scars, aren't we? Hey, we've got to realize our God's big enough. Our God's powerful enough to hold the whole world together. And nothing happens out of his control. Nothing. But Daniel got up out of that lion's den, celebrating that he trusted God. Did it make a difference in Darius? You better believe it. These lions are a hundred to nothing, man. Every person we put down there, they ate. Daniel's the first one that's ever walked back up out of that Daniel's lion's den, you know? He's the only one. These lions, man, I don't know what their problem is, but they didn't eat them. The lion's problem was they had an angel that's holding their mouth shut. Laura May gave me a book this week. Daniel and the lion's den from a lion's perspective. Can you believe the lion's perspective on Daniel in the lion's den? It's going, man, there's eight of us and only one of him. How come we ain't chowing down? You know what I mean? Give me some of that. You know? But God's got power over everything, doesn't he? He's got power over the impossible. He's got it. He wouldn't let those lions' mouths even open up. I can only imagine their claws and their razor-sharp, uh, whatever things are, okay? Fingernails. Man, they could rip a flesh just right up. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Darius is so pleased so pleased 
at Daniel being saved. He wastes no time at getting the guys that tricked him and saying, hey, I want you, I want your kids, I want your family here. We're throwing you guys into the lion's den. Revenge. You guys lied. You're no good. I'm not trusting you. You're gone. Hey, guys, before they even reached the bottom of the lion's den that day, the lions had them smashed, crushed their bones, ate them up, just chewed them up. Isn't that amazing? Nobody can say those lions weren't hungry. Those lions were hungry because it says so in God's word. And they devoured everybody that was put into that lion's den. Here's the other thing. After they came out, victory was sweet. <laughs> Darius makes a proclamation. Man, turn back to Daniel 6. Let's see this thing. Proclamation here. Then Darius the king wrote to all prophets, nations, men of every language who were living in all the land. May your peace abound. I make a decree that you in all the domination of the kingdom of men that fear then tremble before the Lord of Daniel, before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. His dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? So this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus. The, 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 you know it. All right. Hey, Darius had a new perspective on life. He found somebody stronger than he was. He found somebody that was in charge more than he was. Who was that? That wasn't Daniel. That was Daniel's God that he served, that he loved, that was in charge. Guys, today I brought this great-looking wheelbarrow. Jesus God, man, saying, hey, I want to do something with your life. I want you to get on board with what I got going on in this world. Will you get in? We cross over to the other side with me. When he's saying that, cross over to the other side, he's saying to eternity. You know, there's more to life than just this life we're living. There's a whole other life that's just waiting beyond the door when we die. He's got eternity all planned out for us. He says he's going to go and prepare a place for us. And he goes to prepare a place, he's going to make a way for you. Do you believe that? I don't care what age you are today. Do you trust God with your life? Do you say, hey, I know I'm a sinner. I know there's no way I'm getting to heaven besides Jesus Christ dying on that cross. You want to know when I was studying this scripture, what came to mind when he was thrown into that lion's den? Was the tomb that we put Jesus Christ in. The world gave up. The devil was shouting hallelujah. He's dead. He's gone. We don't have to worry about him no more. 
Kind of like uh, Daniel's buddies in the, you know, the government there. They thought, hey, Daniel's gone. We don't have to worry about him no more. He's in that lion's den. Those lions are going to do their thing. They're going to take care of him. It's going to be done. But God, by his trust in God, made a way. Made a way to shut those lions' mouths where he got to go free from that lion's den. But Jesus, being innocent, just as Daniel was innocent, was raised out of the tomb. And he died for you and me to take our place. So when it comes our time to pass away, we just walk into eternity. Or we're going to find our Savior waiting for us. Saying, well done. Good job. You trusted me with your whole life. You got into the wheelbarrow. Here's your reward on the other side. Guys, a simple sermon today. Simple story. Daniel and the lion's den. You heard it all in the nursery rhyme. You heard it all your life. But have you ever put yourself in the trusting God deal? Do you trust him with everything you have? Young people, do you trust him with your life? I say that because I struggle with that as a young person. That might be the deal, reason I want to work with young people. All my life, I grew up in church. All my life, I knew the right answers. All my life, I thought I knew what I wanted to do. But every time I chase after it, guys, guess what? God wouldn't let me run from them. Man, I failed organic chemistry two times. I even had to test to study from. Come on. Made me so mad. Man, Lord, all I want to do is play football and I get to a freaking Christian university and they close up the football program. Come on. What are you doing, God? I got to be a basketball manager now and I don't want to be no basketball manager now to keep my scholarship. But I learned service. I learned trust. Guys, looking back on your life, Has God been calling you to trust him? Young people today, I know the world tells you, hey, this stuff is just child play. This stuff really doesn't matter. You need to live for yourself. I'm here to tell you, you need to live for Jesus Christ. You need to trust him because he's got a plan for your life that's going to work out. If you don't, it's not going to work out. It might work out, but it's not going to be great like God wants it to be. Put it that way. Okay? You might be miserable. You know what? When God first called me, I was thinking of a line a mile long. Why, God, I couldn't do what you called me to do. Thank God he didn't call me to be a music minister. You know what I mean? I've always used that when I'm going, God, there's no way you gifted me to be a music pastor. No way. God, there's no way you really gifted me to be a preacher either, okay? I just can't stand that. No, I can't. But the older I get, I'm going, wow, God, I'm trusting you. You're doing a great job here. You know, this ain't half bad. I'm, I'm seeing you work. I'm seeing you do things in my life. I'm seeing you 
open doors up that I wouldn't even dream could open up. But I'm trusting you because you're in charge. Do you realize, folks, this world's not going to let God be in control? Do you realize that? One nation under God's a little too much for them to handle. What are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? I ain't saying, hey, we're going to form a posse. We're going to have everybody go up to Washington, D.C. or whatever. I'm saying make it your individual lives. Do it humbly because your God did it humbly. By you doing it humbly, you're going to affect the other people around you. Just like Darius was affected by Daniel's humbleness. You're going to affect the other people you work with. As long as you trust God. And don't just trust them on Sunday, folks. Trust them on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And Saturday. All the week long. And God's going to do something in your life. But he can't have a half commitment. That's the thing I had to learn the hard way. When you come to God... It's all or nothing. I can't control the wheelbarrow. He's the driver. I'm along for the ride. So today, on this day, do you trust God? Or do you need to take care of some business this morning? Do we need to confess, hey, I haven't been all in. I haven't been all surrendered. It's up to you. He's not going to make you do it. But he'll sure chase you down and make your life miserable until you do. Because he loves you that much. It's hard to believe that a God would love you so much to chase you down. But he will. Do the easy thing and trust him. And don't run and make it the hard way. Because he will come and get you. He says he will discipline those he loves. It's time for decision. I've read God's word. I gave you a great story. Gave you a great illustration. It's out of my hands now. It's what do you want to do with it? Will you just pass it off as another good sermon? Will you pass it off and say, hey, that sermon wasn't for me. That was for somebody else. What are you going to do about it? You're going to pass it off saying, hey, he really didn't mean those things about prayer. I can pray just as fine anywhere I am. I don't need to have that spiritual discipline in my life. What kind of legacy are you going to leave for us here at Dorisville? What kind of legacy are you going to leave for your family? Are they going to say, well, so-and-so was the one that always trusted God because I knew it. I saw it in their life all the time. And there's this one tombstone I can't keep forgetting over here in Harrisburg. Every time I go out to the cemetery, it says, I did it my way. 
Lord, help me if I'm ever that one that does it my way instead of God's way. I want to trust him all the time because he's got the plan for my life. He's the one that made me. He's the one that gives me purpose. And the sooner you find out about that in life, the better things are going to go for you. But it's your decision. What are you going to do about it? Stand this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, as we stand in this threshold of life, this specific time in life, you've equipped us with the capabilities of serving you, capabilities of making a difference in the place you planted us. Help us to realize it's not all about us, it's all about you and whose we are. Help us to discover who that is. Help us to discover the trust that we need to have in you. That you can do the impossible. You can shut the lion's mouth. You can make an impossible situation possible. I love our mission videos today. We screw up, but you can always forgive. You can always put us back on the right path. Thank you, Lord, for doing that in my life. Thank you, Lord, for never giving up. And Heavenly Father, I just pray that there's somebody out here today that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, that they come to know you as their Lord and Savior today. Because, man, we can't get there on our good works. We can't get there any other way besides you, your son dying on that cross in our place. Help us to realize that. Help us to realize you have future for us that's so much more than what we can ever imagine or think help us to know the only way is through your son jesus christ jesus name i pray amen